Hey, it's Lacey Broussard, and this is the Multi-Orgasmic Mama podcast. From sex and motherhood, birth and relationships, communication and intimacy building, and Taoism and Tantra, we explore topics such as self-care, self-pleasure, body image, jadex, the feminine cycles, creativity in business, and modern spirituality. The Multi-Orgasmic Mama is a place to come for true stories and transformational advice on how to be a mama and a multi-orgasmic woman too. Welcome to the Multi-Orgasmic Mama podcast. Today, I have special guest Morgan Cecil. Hey, Morgan. Hey, Lacey. Thanks so, for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. And Morgan is uh, in the same sex, love, and relationship coaching program that I've been in all year, and I'm super, super excited to share her with you all today because she is one of my favorite people in the program, and she's such a wealth of wisdom and embodiment of everything that we've been taught so yeah so you just want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself Morgan sure see I'm a mama I have two little ones age 11 and 5 a boy and a girl and we live in a beautiful whimsical minimalist apartment in Portland Oregon we live downtown and we love we love walking everywhere and I am a feminine wholeness and sacred sexuality coach. Ooh, yeah, I love those words. That's awesome. And I definitely need to make it to Portland one day. I've actually never been there. It's so fun. I'll take you to all the best places to eat. There's so many. We just eat our way through town, Lacey. So oh, fun. that sounds great. Coming from a Louisiana girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really interested for you to share your story with everyone listening today because when you told me your story I was like holy crap this woman needs to be on my podcast you have the most inspiring amazing story and I just want to hear everything um so yeah maybe you can start with just you know how you ended up getting in this field of work and how you know your whole journey through mm -hmm. through what you've been through and everything I just love to hear it all well, I think like a lot of us, I had no idea I would ever be in this line of work because mm -hmm. most, of my, most of my life, sexuality was such a source of shame. And um, let's see, it's hard to know exactly where to begin in my story, but I'll just say this. As a little girl, I really believed in love. I really believed that life was meant to be this beautiful romance and adventure and that every single person would eventually find their own love story and we would all live happily ever after. So I felt that, you know, like that's like, that's, that's truth. That's what we're made for. But yet, um, I was also really, really sad a lot of the time. I grew up with a mom who suffered from depression and I just witnessed um, sadness. And so to me, being a woman looked like being very aloof and disconnected and um, there's no joy. And for me as a little girl and her oldest daughter, I picked up on the fact that she had very little delight in her life. And I felt responsible for that. I felt like no one delighted in me. And so I had this one 
experience of life when I was alone and in my imagination, it was like just this beautiful picture of what life could be. But then my reality was really different. And it kind of continued that way through growing up. Like when I was alone and I would just be so happy and so content dancing in my room. But then when I would go out into the world, I would feel really shut down and afraid and um, yeah, unworthy. So when I was 15, I didn't grow up in the church, but faith is a really big part of my life now. I just, I never knew religion, but I always was hungry to know God. Like I kind of felt like there's something sacred about life and I was really hungry to know more about God. So when I was 15, I was invited to a youth group and I felt like that was I had made it, you know, someone saw in me, like I was worthy to know about this really special thing. And um, there was a boy who invited me to it and he was like, star football player, like on the student body, like everything, right? Mm -hmm. I felt so seen and worthy. And then um, that boy and a friend of his ended up raping me. And when the rape happened, I had no recollection of it. We had drank drank a lot that night, and my sisters found me, and I was naked, lying in my own vomit, and the boys were downstairs um, bragging about how they both had slept with me. And my sisters drove me to the hospital to get my stomach pumped. And I remember waking up the next day and just really feeling for a second that it all had been just a dream. And I had so much relief that that didn't really happen to me. It was just a bad dream. And then the very next moment realizing, no, that did happen. Wow. And like that wave of shame that just covers you and you're just mortified. And, you know, everything from just so terrified to face my parents and my sisters also just the world outside and, and high school and not for a moment did I feel um, mad about what happened to me I had immediately internalized that it was my fault and that something about being a woman and having a woman's body made me guilty and I was dangerous I, dangerous so dangerous that I could even make these good Christian boys um, do something as horrible as that and so I, you know, we make meaning of our life and the things that happen to us, especially I had no one to process this with. No one, no one sat me down and talked me through what happened and helped me, helped me through it and to recover. And so in my mind, I was just this disgusting creature that's unworthy of God's protection, unworthy of God's love. And I was shameful and pretty much just a fool to ever believe that I could be worthy. And so, you know, having that deeply, like that deep belief inside, like contributed to a lot of way my life turned out, like started getting into drugs and alcohol, sleeping around, just anything to kind of escape from my ex experience of being in my own body and in my own life. And, um, you know, had issues with food, ended up spending a month at an eating disorder clinic, um, just, so much self-destruction, you know, so much self-hatred. I had no idea it was really connected to that deep wounding, but that sexual trauma was also a deep spiritual trauma for me and made me feel so isolated and so alone and so um, afraid of my own body and my sexuality. Yeah. So 
Yeah. So that's kind of like leads into just this, this search that was going on in my unconscious probably the whole time as I was 15 years old is how can I be restored? How can I be made whole? How can I um, return again to that innocent place inside me where I'm worthy of love and protection and um, I too get to experience romance and adventure and love. So <laughs> just that search is what led me into the work that I do now. And, um, you know, there's more, there's more to the story. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear that part too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's so courageous that you can just come on here and, and talk about everything that you just shared. That's, like, I don't think anyone's been that upfront about their own sexual abuse before on a podcast, and it's just mind-blowing. Well, it took me 15 years to even say the words. Like, it took yeah. me from the time I was 15 to the time I was 30 to even begin to grieve it, because I just had stuffed it down and repressed it, and just was like, okay, shitty things happen to everybody, move on. And I, you know, so um, yeah, it's been a journey to being able to tell that story. So. Yeah man mad props <laughs> uh so i'm one thing that stood out i'm i'm on your emails and i read all of them because i love your writing and morgan has an amazing instagram account and she writes these amazing uh captions on all of her instagrams and her emails and i just love them so much but one thing that you said one time just stood out so much was about how one of the things, the biggest things that brought you back to wholeness and to being able to delight in yourself and in your body was becoming a mom. And of course, this is the Multi-Orgasmic Mama podcast. So I'm always interested to hear women's stories of how becoming a mother changed them and how it affected them. And maybe even a little before you became a mother, because I know that was a big part. Yes, yes. So you just repeating that back to me gave me goosebumps because it is such an imprinted experience of redemption, just the experience of becoming a mom. So like I said, I was very self-destructive in my 20s and just made one bad choice after the other. And, um, you know, one of those streaks led me to getting pregnant. And I was not in any way, shape or form um, ready to become a mom or even feel like I could take care of myself. And so I ended up sleeping with um, an ex-boyfriend, you know, and found out a few months later that I was pregnant. And it devastated me. It scared me. And I, I was really, really lost and really, really afraid. So, I mean, it was just like, now I can't hide the shame. It was like before I had lived with all this shame and it's just shame was such a familiar feeling. I just felt like I just bathed in it every single day, but I could hide it underneath a pretty exterior, you know, as long as I could look hot or, you know, be acceptable in the world's eyes, I could hide that darkness. But then becoming pregnant and becoming a single mom, it was like, oh my gosh, the world's going to see my shame. The world's going to see the part of me that is so broken. And so, um, rejected uh so that pregnancy was really hard to walk through super alone i was completely alone and i was preparing for uh, postpartum depression because my history i mean i had lived for 10 years on antidepressants and just had gone through several seasons of deep 
dark depression and anxiety. And through my pregnancy, I experienced such severe panic attacks. I mean, to be so transparent with you, I even spent like several days in a mental sort of clinic because I was this close to taking my own life. I was terrified of bringing another human being into this world to imagine that they would experience that level of disconnection and shame and loneliness and sadness. It just was unbearable. So, you know, my mind was in a very bad place. And, but then what happened was my son was born and instead of the depression and darkness I was prepared for, there was this amazing bliss and, um, there was bliss, there was peace. And right before he was born, I mean, I had really awful feelings about my body changing in pregnancy. And I had been a photographer before, but I had like set down the camera, didn't pick it up, was like so horrified by how my body was changing, by the weight I was putting on. I didn't feel sexy or beautiful. But right before my son was born, I, took some maternity photos, self-portraits. And through the camera, there was something beautiful that happened in this creative process where I could see my body as something beautiful, as something that's magical, that creates life. And it was a very redemptive experience for me to see the beauty in the change and see the beauty in this life that was growing inside me. So when my son was actually born, I felt it was, I came back to myself. I actually belonged to myself again. My body belonged to me. And instead of being this shameful thing, it was this amazing, noble, this incredible thing. And it was a gift to experience that those months after he was born of just like peace, peace in my body, wonder and awe and being able to nurture him with my body and feed him with my body and feel so connected to life. His life, my life, you know? Yeah, it was a first step. That's so amazing. Yeah, I, I was just reading the words that you wrote and you said that it, motherhood was your first initiation into the sacredness of your body. And those words, those gave me goosebumps like never before because that's what it, that's what birth was for me too. That's how my kids changed me. You know, they they brought me back to me. They were the initiation into my journey back to myself. And maybe that's why I'm so drawn to you and your story because I see so much of my own journey in you. And we we always seem to be drawn to those people that are on a similar path. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really really admire that. So cool. <laughs> Along those lines, just the sacredness of our body, I think why, you know, the reason why it's so profound is that we live in this culture where the message is just our sexuality, our body is for somebody else, it's for someone else to enjoy. And we can't even really accept ourselves or love ourselves until someone else deems us worthy, that we are attractive enough, we are beautiful enough, we are dot, dot, dot. And in a way, being a single mom when I had my son was such a beautiful experience because it was like just me and him. And so like my body was like, this belongs to me in a way that I had never experienced before. I can own it in a way that I never experienced before. No one ever told me that all of this was capable, that my body wasn't just for a man's pleasure or delight or, you know, uh, approval, but my body was my own and I got to 
be on this journey to get to know it even more. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love that yeah. so much. Yeah. So I'm interested when, once you became a mom, so you have two kids now. Mm -hmm. So what is the story after you had your first son, right? When yes. Girl later. What's the rest mm -hmm. of the story there? Yes, it's so good. So I would, like I said, I was a single mom, and um, the dad wasn't a part of the picture at all. Um, but while I was pregnant, I had a very interesting experience with um, a friend, and he told me that one day my child would have an amazing dad, and that one day I would have an amazing husband. And lo and behold, neither of us had any clue, but he was the one he was prophesizing about. <laughs> <laughs> several years later we got reconnected on LinkedIn and um, we you know reconnected and then started a friendship and then ended up falling in love and then he ended up adopting my son we got married and we had another baby and my baby is named Emma which means whole and it's just she's a I get to um, give to her the things that weren't given to me and um, she is a picture of redemption for us and it's just the four of us and Luke is a big part of it. Luca started asking for a sister when he was three and um, we didn't know if it was in the cards or not but as soon as I got pregnant I knew it was a girl. I knew she was Emma and so for her birth I got to have the birth experience I really wanted the first time around which is have her at home in water naturally with midwives and it was an incredible experience of being able to go to hard places go to the darkness the depths within and survive <laughs> she was born 15 days late wow and, um sunny side up yeah. So she was a big baby, almost 10 pounds, and it took me two hours to push her out, and I thought I was going to drown in my own, like, <gasps> this incredible experience of, you know, having to dig super deep for the strength. But it was a gift to me because of my own insecurities of raising a daughter and my own relationship with my mom. Like, I was, part of me was afraid to have a little girl and not knowing if I was strong enough. And so this physical strength that it required to actually just bring her into the world, like having to dig so deep physically, it gave me a picture of like, okay, like physical and spiritual depth that I had to go to. <laughs> to, to get um, I can do that. I know I'm stronger than I even realized before. So it was a really cool birth experience. That's so great. So I have to just point out you must be the first person I've ever heard of that met their husband through LinkedIn. <laughs> I know. I mean, you've heard of Facebook meeting, you know, people that meet on Facebook or Instagram, but LinkedIn, that's yes. so funny. To be fair, like we had known each other in the past and we're good friends in the past, but yes, it was LinkedIn that brought us back into oh each other. So, I mean, it's funny because I don't even use LinkedIn. Right? So, <laughs> the first time I ever opened an email from LinkedIn was for his contact. But it was, thank you, LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> and what a wonderful birth story. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a doula, of course. I yes. I thought you'd appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> so, what are some of the processes and practices that helped you to reclaim your body and your sexuality after becoming a mom and experiencing all that you did and this, you know, this redemption from the self-destructive pattern and this mm -hmm. sexual trauma? 
Yeah. For me, it was about learning how to be present in my body in a way that I had never been before. So um, one of the things that started to help kind of bring me into what does it mean to be present was through yoga and meditation, but then also just breaking it down really, really simply into my senses and being really, really connected to my five senses and deciding that I'm going to delight in my senses as much as possible. Because when we're connected to what we're seeing and smelling and hearing and tasting and touching, that's when we're present. We know we're present. If we can feel our breath, the inhale and the exhale, if we can just really delight in the, the scent of our tea or the, the warmth of our tea, all these things, like for me, it brought me into intimacy with my body in a new way because prior to motherhood, I had only seen my body as like a third person, like an object to be objectified. And I would judge my body and it was all just visual, like what I saw in the mirror. And I didn't even really feel into it. You know, it was just like this, you know, is it good enough? Does this compare to what standard of beauty is? And I was very disconnected. And so after motherhood, it was just this, deepening and slowing into what is the experience in my body and before I even had a formal practice around it it was just this kind of organic discovery of like wow when I spend time delighted in my senses like things begin to shift and there's like spaciousness and there's joy and there's like all of a sudden contentment even if life isn't perfect but like when you really pause to admire something that's beautiful whether it's the moon or a sunrise or your tea, like it brings you into a different experience of life. Um, and that is a practice that has stayed with me. And since then I've learned something really interesting about the brain and how it takes at least 15 seconds for something positive to imprint. And so if we wanna make this a real practice and bring it into a very practical application, we can think whenever we see something beautiful, when, before we take the first sip of our coffee or of our tea, to pause and just be with the sensation for a minimum of 15 seconds mm -hmm. and just soak in the goodness of whatever you're appreciating. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, isn't that, cool? isn't that cool? Yeah, so that's something I always teach but right off the bat my clients because it's a simple thing we can do no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, no matter what stage of motherhood we're in, we have 15 seconds to soak in the goodness. So, mm, Yes, such a beautiful practice. Uh, and I love how you say that your journey kind of started off, you know, taking it a step further, kind of started with your, your yoga practice. And um, you don't, you don't, Okay. So yeah, yoga is really popular these days, but you don't hear a lot of people, you know, getting out of it, you know, the full effect of it. It becomes mm -hmm. more of like a, a fitness exercise. Thing. Yes. A fitness thing. But for other people, it has this quality of really uh, bringing them like a journey, like bringing them back to themselves. And that's what it did for me too. You know, Again, a very similar story. Had my babies started yoga when my youngest was maybe one. Mm -hmm. And, or no, actually younger. He was just a few months old. And then that whole, uh, with every asana, I would, like, I did a lot of yin yoga and ashtanga yoga. So they're very opposite. Very different. Yeah. And I ended up really loving the yin classes even though i would literally go in there and cry uh, and during every single practice i'd be like the only person bawling my eyes out every single time <laughs> but i loved going to it because it was like 
opening my body up and really helping me tap into that felt sense that you and yeah. I have talked so much about in our program. So really connecting to sensation in the body without even really knowing what's going on in the brain or what, how the emotion is related to the sensation, but it had this effect on my body that I eventually became conscious and aware enough to process what was going on in it. And wow. then, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So what other, uh, you do a lot of breath work. You've done breath work. Training. I love breath work. Love breath Tell work. me about that. Tell me about that. <laughs> so this is another interesting story. So part of this journey into sexuality and just finding wholeness where there was brokenness before this felt sense of being just soaked in shame. Part of that journey was with my husband. Once we got married, um, you know, we were so in love and we were so connected. Then after a few years, which is so common in committed relationships, it shifts, something shifts. And I remember feeling like I was losing him. Like there was this, this there wasn't a lot of their fights or anything dramatic, but there was just this sense of like distance growing between us. And we realized it had its roots in our sex life. And there was just some patterns that we had fallen into and didn't really realize it. And we all come into a relationship with wounds. And what we discovered was that my wounds were triggering his and his wounds were triggering mine. And we were just in this like vicious cycle of just feeling so much pain around sex and um, you know, all of my trauma, never being able to say no came to the surface. And I realized that I resented having to have sex and resented his advances and just felt like this turmoil inside. And then I would reject him and then feel so guilty about rejecting him and feeling like I wasn't enough as a woman or a wife. And then he would go through his own cycle of feeling, you know, shut down and rejected and not loved. And it was just this horrible, painful experience. And at the time, um, you know, we were just drinking. We drank like normal people drink, I thought. But my husband realized he had a problem with alcohol. And he would think about alcohol all the time. And it caused him just like this, he realized he was using it to escape. And he had some things coming up in his own personal life that he didn't want to address. And so, you know, he just drank to escape. It's like we all do something to escape, you know, whether it's social media or Netflix or a couple glasses of wine in the evening time. So his idea, we had a huge, huge fight on a Valentine's Day. We never fight, but that Valentine's Day, something happened. It was a catalyst, catalyst for really thinking about change. And he decided he was going to stop drinking. And I was shocked, mm. <laughs> you know, because I had no idea, you know, there was, that was an issue. And uh, it was kind of grieve that because we had so such fun bonding, you know, going to Italy and drinking wine and going to happy hours, drinking wine. But that was his journey. He needed to do something to start on this, his own journey, this masculine journey of finding his own wholeness and really starting to uncover and heal from the wounds of his childhood and fatherlessness and all of that. And so for me, I was like, okay, you know, we're, we're faithful, spiritual people. So we pray a lot. And so I remember praying being like, do I need to stop drinking? Like, is that my path too? And I was totally open to it. And um, in prayer, what came to me is like, actually, it's time to start working through the sexual abuse. It's time to start working through the sexual trauma. And I was like, terrified, 
terrified. I didn't know what path to take for that. And, you know, was asking God, you know, do I see a counselor? Do I do a program? Like, how do we go about healing this? And what I distinctly remember hearing from within me was just breathe with me. Just breathe with me. So for a whole year and a half before I even found um, a formal education around sex, love, and relationship healing and coaching, I spent time just learning how to breathe again. And really like that education of learning how to be with myself and slowing down. And I remember it was so hard in the beginning. Like I was terrified of the exhale. I was terrified of the inhale. Like it was, I really noticed how much trauma was even stored on my breath. And when waves of panic would come and anxiety would come, like I would learn how to just breathe through it. And I remember thinking like, this isn't making the, the pain go away, but I am learning how to move through it and not let it define me anymore. Like it was, became this fluid experience and this flow where I could, instead of getting stuck in anxiety or darkness or fear, I would feel the anxiety and fear and I would be able to hold myself through it with the breath. And just, I mean, there wasn't any fancy breathing I was doing. I was just paying attention to breathing and really feeling that connection with the spirit and the breath and feeling like there was something holy and sacred about the breath. And as you may know, like Ruah in Hebrew is the spirit. It means the breath and it's feminine. It's a feminine form of the word. And so there was this another thing happening inside me to begin to experience in the body this more feminine aspect of God that was very nourishing and very um, safe. I felt held. And so, yeah, before any formal training into sex, love, and relationship coaching, it was just this in, you know, deep dive into what it means to be present through the breath and to start using the breath to get into the body, to get underneath the layers of the mind and to start feeling safe again, to experience all the things that we need to experience and to let it all be okay and to let it all belong. Yeah. Wow. I love breath work too. I didn't know what it was or what it really consisted of other than, you know, your typical breath work and a yoga class. But until uh, we started the coaching program in January, 2017, and it definitely opened up a lot. It, it opened up a new pathway into the body that was so different than anything else I had ever tried. It was really my first experience into like really getting in touch with sensation yes. directly, not indirectly like yoga was, but mm -hmm. directly like you were going and looking for it, trying to connect yes. to just sensation with the breath. And yeah, it's cool for that. I mean, just for dealing with anxiety, for one example, like I learned how to connect to the sensation of anxiety instead of the story. Mm -hmm. And that was like a big breakthrough for me when I could be like, okay, it's in my solar plexus. I feel this hollowness and it feels like this floor is dropping out from beneath me, like this emptiness inside and this cold. And it was like just paying attention to the sensations and letting it be just a sensorial experience and not wrapping my identity up in it. So then there creates that space to be the observer and the witness. And then it just can move and it can flow 
into a new experience of wholeness and filled up and warmth and safety. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So you did some breathwork training. You did some, did you do Tantra workshops or anything like that? I know you had done Tantra before this Mm -hmm. program. Yeah. And so I was a yoga instructor and I had just been really passionate about the the philosophy side. So like we mentioned, like a lot of people are really interested in the physical fitness aspect or what yoga can do for your body in the physical plane. But my master's degree is actually in Eastern philosophy. So I read a lot of the, the texts and I was always very interested in the kind of the psychology and philosophy of yoga. And so for me, it, I mean, Tantra was such a, so exciting to discover and begin to learn because it was so much for me the way i see tantra is the practice of bringing light to dark places and dark places being like that what is unconscious what is ignorant what is you know operating below the level of our awareness and our choice and so for someone that has the faith that I do, that idea of bringing light to dark places is so beautiful and so holy. And it's very practical in Tantra. It's like through breath work and through asana and through kriyas and through meditations, like we learn how to actually use our attention, our awareness, our consciousness to bring restoration and wholeness back into our body, mind, and spirit. So yeah, it was all about it. And I was, people in my Christian community are still kind of afraid of the word Tantra, but a lot of what I do is just educating them. I'm, no, it's like very Jesus-y. Like, Jesus is a total Tantric. Like, it's all about bringing light to dark places. Yes. Speaking of Jesus and Tantra, um, so, yeah, the, the Magdalene manuscripts or something. I, Unfortunately, I've been so burned with Christianity. I have not been able to bring myself to even like read the good parts of it that I know, or like if I actually read them, I'd be like, wow, this is really cool. Like, but one day I will get there and I can't wait to read that book because I hear that, you know, it's all about how Mary was a freaking tantrika of the time and how, like, yeah, and we don't even hear anything about that. And you know, I think we will start hearing it because, um, Yes, there are some rumblings in the church and in the like thought leaders that I follow, and there's more books being written about her, and there's actually a movie being made about her. So I think we're going to start seeing it's just part of like the divine feminine rising, you know, the awakening yes. of this important piece of the story. Yes, I'll be more inclined to watch a movie first. <laughs> to be honest, Joaquin Phoenix is in it, and Joaquin um, Phoenix and the woman who plays well then I'll definitely watch it yeah <laughs> awesome. so cool so what was uh if you had to boil it down to one particular practice or thing that you did to kind of work through your sexual trauma and the things that were coming up in your sex life with your husband mm-hmm. because that's a big thing that we talk about here is you know our sex lives with our partners, our chosen partners. Um, I mean, we, we have so much issues, so many issues that come up in long-term partnerships that it's one of the biggest reasons why people don't stay together. Yes. So what was the thing that you did that you could name that kind of helped y'all work through that? You know, really learning how to hold myself with so much self-acceptance and so much unconditional self-love, like knowing that, I'm the only one that can give that to me. You know, aside from God, like, 
I need to learn how to hold myself with that much tenderness and that much grace. And then, only then could I be present enough to kind of work through things with my husband, you know? And so the practice of just breathing with so much love and so much just willingness to accept whatever is right now and just tenderness. Like there is a line from a poem, a piece of writing by St. Catherine of Siena, and she's this Christian saint mystic. And she says, I have seen what you want. It is there, a beloved of infinite tenderness. And for me, it's like, yes, that's what I want, a beloved of infinite tenderness. And the invitation was learning how to offer that to myself first, so then I could share that in relationship with my husband, share that with God. And so it's like this beautiful, like, tripart, like, I need to be the beloved. I get to experience God as the beloved. I get to experience my husband as the beloved. But it's like it begins with being willing to offer that level of tenderness and gentleness and kindness and acceptance um, and love to myself. So slowing down helps. <laughs> Mama, slow down. Just slow everything down a bit. And that is a very practical way to start experiencing more self-love and gentleness is just slow down, take some things off your to-do list and really make time for baths and for walks and for your jading practice and for all those things that help you to be present and experience love in your body. Yes. Oh, so juicy. So if you had one tip or a piece of advice that you could give about being a multi-orgasmic woman, what would that be? Or was that it? <laughs> oh, I'll just say, um, this is what I tell like, basically anyone who will listen, that healing doesn't have to be a battle. Like Healing can be a love story. And so bring as much pleasure into this process as possible because we all have, we all have healing to do. You know, we live in a world that's kind of messed up around sex. And there's a lot of trauma out there, just in general, that we picked up on, whether or not we had to endure it personally or not. It's just in the collective. And so, yes, we all have healing to do. But it doesn't have to feel so hard. It doesn't have to be a battle. We can really experience it as a love story. And so just be super, super willing to um, experience pleasure and delight and bring that in because that's super important for this process. This is the most luscious, pleasurable, delightful experiences are how we get to make the healing very, very soft and gentle and fun even. Yeah. And that's, there's such a need for the healing to be more gentle and soft because there are so many teachers and spiritual guides and gurus that, you know, just want to go in there and fix everything and be really aggressive and just, you know, let's get this healing done right then and there, you know, and it, it, it doesn't work for everybody. I don't think it definitely didn't work for me. I mean, it's taken years and years and years for me to get over abandonment issues and, you know, uh, body issues around being born in a woman's body and, you know, so much body shame and all of that. So yeah, it's, it's not something that's just going to, get better overnight but healing could actually be pleasurable like Morgan is saying and I think that's so important to point out is that uh, the what I found is that the tantric uh, way of healing I mean of course there's some teachers that 
it might not be so gentle out there that are tantric in nature too, but it is a very gentle way uh, yeah. to, to go through your own healing journey and a way that's pleasurable. And that opens you up to your multi-orgasmic potential. So yes. yeah. that's for, to let it all belong and just to say, <laughs> yes, all of it is good. There's no more battle. It's just make this a love story. Yes. So beautiful. Thank you so much, Morgan. You're so welcome, Macy. Thanks so much for the honor of being here. Yes. And being in your um, council of multi-orgasmic women, mamas. Was it multi-orgasmic? Yes, yes. Multi-orgasmic wow. mamas. Yes. <laughs> that is a revolution right there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the next generation will be so full of life and creativity and, you know, self-acceptance and confidence with uh, mamas that are just saying a big yes to multi-orgasmic <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> well thank you so much and we'll see you soon bye